anyway, we had a great time last night. I mean, you laugh so hard you can't hardly stand it. But anyway, uh, just the stories just keep coming, and we had to make ourselves go to bed. So I was up at 4 this morning because I was wondering what I was going to preach on this morning. So anyway, this morning is going to be on this subject of reprisal attacks. And so we custom made it for people in ministry. This is reprisal attacks for people who do ministry. So as praying on it, I would tell you that this literally can save your life. If you'll really listen to these concepts, it can literally save your life. So anyway, reprisal attacks. You know, you think in terms of, I'm going to call it repeated lashings, counterattacks, retaliation, backlash, Have you ever experienced any of this? Yes. Okay. So I remember Steph's first visit to Israel with me. I mean, she was all excited. And, you know, here we were going to Israel and she was just great guns and all this. And so we were going along and suddenly I'm up one morning and I'm spending time with the Lord and the enemy speaks to me. And I hear this very clearly. And it says, I'm going to kill Steph's grandmother and wreck her trip. I don't know if intercession, y'all have this happen, but sometimes I hear the chatter. It's like you get in on the station of the enemy and he's chattering, telling you what he's going to do. I mean, it sounds kind of like how Goliath, I'm going to smush you into the ground. The birds are going to eat you and the dogs are going to carry you off. And, you know, it's kind of that wrestlers talking. The enemy, a lot of times, will just start coming in and telling me what he's going to do next. And it's been very specific. Anyway, you can turn it in the spiritual realm. So I'm used to being able to hear the Lord tell me ahead of time. Y'all, you need to ask God for mercy that he lets you hear what the enemy's going to do ahead of time. Like, remember Jesus said, Peter, Satan's demanding to do this to you. But I've prayed. And that's your job in here is you're going to hear Satan demanding things on people. But you can turn it by prayer. You know, it's not for you to use your ego and say, I already knew that was going to happen to you. If you say that, you didn't do your job. (laughs) And so after a lot of prayer that morning of the chatter, I couldn't get it to turn. It was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not turning. Her grandmother's going to die. So I go in to talk to Steph, and I thought, how do you tell her? Because Steph was very close to her grandma. Honestly, she's like a mom. She had done a lot of her steering her as a in her youth. And so I went in and I just said, well, Steph, you know, your grandma, are you ready to release her and let her go home? She goes, oh, no, no, no. This morning I got a list I want to share with my grandmother and I got some things from the Lord and all this. And I was like, oh. And so I don't tell her what I heard. So I go back into my bedroom And I start commanding again, but this time I had a lot more strength in prayer because it was like an agreement. Mm -hmm. When she told me I've been speaking to God and he's given me a list for my grandmother, I knew I had more authority. And it didn't take me long then, and I was able to forbid the enemy from killing her grandmother and wrecking her trip because that's that's what we're going to call a reprisal attack. She was over there doing the Lord's work, and the devil will hit you when you are on a mission trip and tell you everyone will be (laughs) dead and gone by the time you get home. I mean, you have all kinds of vain imaginations. And so you have to pay attention to reprisal attacks. Well, we didn't think anything really about it, but she went home and nothing was mentioned. And so I thought, well, you know, sometimes you'll feel something in your spirit and you'll turn it and that's it. Anyway, seemingly nothing happened. Well, her grandmother and her mother had been staying in her home. So her husband takes her out and said, Steph, we need to talk. He started crying. He said, your grandma had a stroke for all practical purposes, completely went down in the front room, and I forgot all the symptoms of the stroke, but it's just, it's over. What did he tell you? He said she had a stroke. She had a stroke. And what did she, what did she look like? Okay, so eyes rolled back and then she lost consciousness. About what age would she have been? Mid-70s. Okay, on a lot of medications, mid-70s. Well, her mother was there, and her mother, you know, doesn't know what to do, but her daughter was 12. And now she's only been in our Crosslines Bible study a year now at this point. She goes in and uses the name of Jesus and starts commanding her granny not to die and not to stroke. 
Then she doesn't think that she has enough prayer support, and she heard her little brother had received that thing called praying in the Spirit. So she said, get over here, and he's nine. And she said, pray in the Spirit while I rebuke. She got it under her feet, the entire attack. And then she felt a release in her spirit. She said, now we can take her to the hospital. And her grandmother was totally fine, had no damage from the stroke. So it actually had worked better that it had happened in the home than if she had been by herself. And it didn't happen in bed that night at her own home. But when we checked the calendar, it was when the Lord was telling me, stop it, because the devil was saying, I'm going to kill her. It's unique how you can take a reprisal attack and turn it in the spiritual realm. And so I want you to face these things head on because you're doing things for the Lord and the enemy doesn't like it. And I want you to realize when you take your football team down on the field, there is an opposition team down there waiting for you. (laughs) There's something matched up against the quarterback and the receiver. There's linebackers. And you need to think of that in the spiritual realm of what the enemy is trying to do. And so that is a good example of what you can do without anyone knowing it. We were in Israel. Her grandmother's in Texas. And the power of God can reach completely your authority, can go from one country to the other. You can steer it. That's why men in jail can be more free than people out in the free because they have the power to use their authority and turn things in the spiritual realm. Prayer cannot be held in. It can't be held in in communist countries. It cannot be held in if you're in a family of all unbelievers. You have the power to turn these attacks around. So I'm speaking to people really in ministry, and I'm here not to entertain you with hilarious stories, but to impart into you and to make sure that we're understanding and growing in these concepts together and that you're given a good line of defense and offense against these reprisal attacks. I think that one of the number one types of people that you got to keep covered are these natural evangelists. These people that witness to everyone. The enemy will try to take someone out in their family. They have to be prayed over. Missionaries, pastors, all these different things. And you're bringing people in and they hear it for the first time. There's spiritual warfare around these things. And you must keep people in prayer. I remember the Lord speaking to me once and said, you're faithful to pray for the kid in your group that has a lot of problems or is causing drama or whatever, but you forget to pray for the strong ones. And the Lord gave me an assignment to pray for my strong ones. Keep the people in the front lines that are doing ministry that's making a difference. Keep them in prayer. If you think about healing, there's a reprisal attack on healing. You get a lot of freedom, and we have a myth. Well, if God healed me, it's never going to come back. Oh, no. There's the thing called a mimicking spirit. (laughs) And it'll come back and try to make you think you own it again. It'll try to make you think you have it. You know, you have a deliverance go down, and then three days later you have the same thoughts. You can let that deliverance go by hearing those knocks and think. But it's a different story. Once that demon has left you, it's knocking from the outside, asking to go back in. It is not the same thing, and you have to resist a reprisal attack until it no. But this absolutely is not going to come back and you will not lose your freedom and you will not lose your healing and you need to be prepared for a reprisal attack. You're expecting God to do all the work for you when you think in terms of, well, if it was God, it just would go away. But Jesus told the guy, he goes, go and sin no more. Don't let an open door come on this. They're going to knock. They're going to try to re-enter. These are called reprisal attacks and you have to hang on at this point. So this is for those who are in active service doing discipleship, evangelism, reaching out where you have a burden, you have compassion for people, where you're making a difference in the world that you're living in. You take it seriously when Jesus told you that the Great Commission's for you. You dream in full color. You believe whole countries come into the Lord. You see the prisoners. You go and see an international person, and you're like, let me tell you about what we have here. We are one nation under God, and it is a living personal relationship. You have this where everything looks like a ministry to you. That's you. So this is for you on the pushback that you're going to get into this area of your life. I see a lot of people play offense, and sometimes they forget that there's going to be something coming towards them. 
you know, I met this lady on the plane and this a few years back and she was interesting to me because she told me, oh, God's sending me on an assignment. And anyway, I was like, well, what's your assignment? Because I don't hear people use that language much. That's something we speak in terms of that God gives certain types of assignments. And if you're ever around us, we have names for the types of assignments because there's some you have to win them at all cost. Like there's no excuse on this assignment. And we have the message of Garcia and we have, I'm not going to give you my Hebrew term, but that'd be another time. But this is some of the most fun we have because we have terms that are used even in Israeli warfare to make sure that you complete your assignments. So I thought, well, I'll probably learn something from this lady. I wonder what she does. Well, as we got to talking, she said that to me and I said, oh, I like hearing that. And I thought, you don't hear that very often. I said, well, what's your assignments? And she said, going to conferences all over the United States. I said, going to conferences? That's getting fed. That's not assignments. (laughs) Some people think going to church is is something they're doing for the kingdom. I'm like, no, that's the feeding trough. You go out from there. Your ministry starts when you leave the parking lot. What are you thinking? You know, and so people think going to church is such a big deal, you know. I was like, oh, that's where it's supposed to be for you. That's the good part, you know. And so I was going to say this is not that great, that God is stirring in you that you have a purpose. I've traveled 35 different countries, and I'm telling you, there came a point, as much as I would love to venture, that I was tired of traveling. I've seen cultures. I'm tired of cultures. <laughs> people are people. But you know what is so exciting? The conversations I have about Jesus. Those unique opportunities to talk to someone that you'll never get the chance. When someone receives a miracle, when something opens up where you can share the Lord with someone you never would have, those are what makes travel exciting. It's those unique experiences that you have because the Lord showed up, because you push on one side and God pushes on the other. It's where you get into the unknown and you never know what God's going to do. I don't know how people do it without the Lord. There's nothing fun in this life except him in it. And then it's over the top. And so when you go on an adventure and the Lord's in it, this is what you're meant to do with all your heart. But I'm going to tell you what's keeping you away from it or shying you back from it is the fear of reprisal. That's what gets us in trouble. So when you're in this mode of taking ground for the kingdom, you're gaining turf, that you're actually taking the darkness and bringing light into dark places. You know where they say this thing of some people enjoy living within the sound of the bells of the chapel. But one guy said, give me a place that's one yard from the gates of hell (laughs) where I run rescue missions. You know, it kind of reminds me of one of our kids, and he has a church going in the brothel of the cartel. And so anyway, I was like, I've got to see that with my own eyes. All my guys said, can we go with you? You know, it's just amazing how spiritual they are about that age. But anyway, so you can have assignments that are creative and fun in the kingdom. Don't think that it's not fun serving God. The reason we don't have more youth in here is they haven't got the message that serving God is fun. It's creative. I wanted to smuggle Bibles. It was a lot more exciting than what I was singing in church. I'm saying that you've got to excite the youth with there's something going on in the spirit realm. And part of it is, as Gentiles, we're bringing such dull ideas. I mean, we've got to liven this up. I mean, you've got to get out there and do some crazy stuff, but don't you dare start it until you have this down of reprisals. This is the voice of what a reprisal sounds like. Just real subtly, I'm going to get you for that. You're going to pay a pound of flesh for anything you do in the Lord's work. You know, this myth that you have, well, I've done something good for God, and I'm just so happy, and God is good, and I'm just really enjoying it. Life is good. I'm happy. And because I've done something good for God, he'll be good to me, and he'll protect me. And I'm going to tell you that Psalm 91 is not automatic. You've got to give God something to work with. You've got to put faith into it. You can't think this is some magical kingdom where everything's going to work out good because you scored a touchdown. 
They have the ball in their hands next. You have to armor up when something good takes place. That you've got to use as much prevention as possible. And I have to really work against that happy feeling because I'm thinking, oh, this is so nice. I'm so happy. And it's a great feeling. But then you've got to say, but Satan, don't you touch it in Jesus' name. Because Satan needs to hear your voice say, I'm putting a hand up in the spiritual realm. The most dangerous thing, watch for people who say, they'll give their testimony and say, everything was just perfect in my life. And that's when the enemy will strike. You better cover it. I'm not superstitious. I'm telling you, put the enemy in his place and you tell him, don't get into this territory in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't be in your natural soulish place and thinking everything's going to just turn out good. So you've been created for what God has purposed you to be on this earth. And you have this idea that if you weren't born, there would be some things that would never take place on earth if it was not you doing it. And you are called for uniqueness. And the enemy will try to destroy the unique life. He'll try to destroy the one that is precious. He goes after the one that is unique in the sight of the Lord. So you have to get away from reprisal attacks or the voice of it in this sense of the word that sometimes you have an expectation that you're going to be hit. Use that as intercession. Because let me tell you this one. Sometimes it's a danger because there's a little bit of pride in it. I've done so much for the kingdom, the enemy's going to hit me. And you expect it. Like, I kind of deserve that. Some people really wear them as badges of pride of, I'm a high-value target. And so they make it equivalent. That's what happens to them that the devil does. That's them getting approval that they're actually doing something. You've got to unhinge yourself from the fact that you pay for what you do in the spiritual realm because it's a form of being that martyr. It's a form of Messiah complex. You're thinking that the cross wasn't good enough and you're paying the price. And if he's a substitute for your sins, he's also a substitute for what you're called to do in the kingdom. And you do not let the devil lay a pound of flesh on his altar for whatever you do in the spiritual realm. And it's a mixed up theology when you start thinking that you pay in your natural body. If Christ paid for my wicked sins, then there's no reason for what I do in the spiritual realm to have to pay for it. And it is subtle pride. It's something going on inside of you that you have to repent of that subtle pride. And you've got to know Christ was the substitute for every yard I make on this playing field. And you're called to do it. If you're ready to take that route, then you're ready to go into this realm of doing something that counts on earth. And like Jimmy Stewart said, it's a wonderful life. (laughs) And if you saw Pottersville without you, the world would not be as bright. And so God has a reason for you to exist. And you will save many people's lives if you will live your life to the fullest. But part of living it to the fullest is not letting the enemy take you out early. Because there are traps being laid for us. The other thing I was going to say around the thing of healing is, I want you all to realize your last years in life are stronger than your first years. Hollywood has the youth as the best. When you lose your youth, you're over with. But notice what Jesus said. They said, this doesn't make sense. He saved the best wine for last. And that's the principle with the Lord. It's the best for last that you become a general, that there's authority with you. There's something in the spirit realm that you bring to the table. There's understanding, there's experience. That when you reach those sunset years, that you have more authority than you ever had. That you have the ability to get these reprisal attacks turned around. And that you do not receive, you do not let yourself think that you're going to decline and go downhill. Because that is making your entire life a reprisal attack. You're thinking, I gave it all, and, you know, I'm going to just end up one bloody, smeared mess at the end. I mean, just, uh, you know, you see everything that can go wrong. You go, you know, you need to be going to the nursing home and just see that's not what's going to happen. I don't grow old and bitter. That God restores my youth. 
And you can see that in Caleb. You can see that in the fact that you're still doing your mountains. And you have to contend for that in the spirit realm. That's why I liked what this woman here was saying about the fact that she gets up and she tells her body how you're going to feel today. And so this is stuff that you're reversing. Anyway, this is our instructions for reprisal. Steph was giving me this coaching last night, so I'm going to share with you. She usually wears boots, and I have an imprint on the back. But it will show you some of the things that she had to say about it. But she said, you can't take a victim stance with reprisal attacks. And it's a lot easier to do than you think because Facebook is a victim status right now. People are claiming it, and they're messing themselves up in the spiritual realm to do that. And so you've got to realize we are in war. And you are in reprisal attacks. If you're into the victim thing, if you have a victim identity, basically what you're doing is you're giving the enemy permission to do a reprisal attack. If you're like me, you can see these spirits link. If you have a victim the victimizer will find them in the room. They link. Predators will find someone where it's already happened to them before. The enemy can feel where the line of resistance is down. That's why we have to pray for kids to get that victim off of them. If you had something knock you down and do something terrible to you, I mean, it's so bad you can't even mention some of the traumas some of us have gone through, some of you have gone through, some people, you absolutely say never Again, will this happen by the name of Jesus? One lady that was right, I'll never forget her words. She said, he took 20 minutes of my life, but he'll never take a minute more. And some people can't get it in their past. You know, I had a lady screaming at 65 years of age, and I thought something had happened to her the day before that she'd been raped, but it happened at 22. But she has that victim on her. And the enemy will repeatedly give you lashes if you have a victim mentality, that you have to get that off of you. So when you're seeing these reprisal attacks, the reprisal attacks come to the victims. That's what they're meant for. The enemy already sees the bruise, and he goes in to put another bruise on it. And so you don't want to look so hard for a reprisal attack that you actually pull it in. You do have to know an awareness that the enemy is going to strike so that you can do resistance. You look for open doors, sin, generational weak spots. This is a war that you're in. You can't let this thing come through. You've got to get the spirit off of you. You know, I've noticed besides the victims and victimizers finding each other, being a victim gives you attention. They like the drama. That's a spirit. Get it off of you. Because you're not playing with flesh and blood. You're dealing with the demonic spirit that wants to take advantage of you. So do not allow just how that feels good for your flesh for a few minutes for someone to feel sorry for you to open that door. This is what we're talking about, open doors. You're opening the door for the devil to do it again. And so what you have to do, I want you to hear some words from me. You're not going to give the devil permission. So this is my words. Me being a victim. It's not between me and that person trying to harm me. It's between me and my God. And you don't make it go horizontal. It's not between you and the person. It's between you and God. And you have to pull it down from heaven to stop it. You have to give it a no. It's making a mess that people are blaming each other. We have to take responsibility and say, if I was in a pack of wolves, you cannot touch me. You cannot put this hand on me. And that's the strength that you give children. That you give children that ability to say, I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have got to get the victim mentality out of the church. We have got to pull it off our children. We have got to change it. It is not what the Bible tells us. This world is not fair. The devil will hurt children. It is not right. The kidnappings and every single abusive thing that ever happens. But you have to stop it in the realm of it not being flesh and blood. You have to stop it in the realm of the spirit. 
And if the enemy has already invaded that or he's trespassed on that, get someone to help you and let's get that door shut. And let's get it where that victim spirit does not draw a reprisal attack. It's not fair. That's why I enjoy working with people younger because then they don't have 50 things that have kicked them. We're making a move in the spirit realm. And so another aspect is the victim of I tried. You got to cut out the words I tried. You are primed for an attack if you're in the realm of I tried. Mm-hmm. Say lovey. You can't do it. It's opposite of God's authority. The opposite of say lovey is authority. What will be will be. That is not you. You are not in the realm of allowing these things to happen. And so you're primed to let it happen. There's no me too. We're owning it. We are throwing this off. We are saying no to this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ, we are not going to take it from the enemy. And he has a plan to destroy your life just like God has a plan to to absolutely give you life and life abundantly. The enemy is having a plan to destroy you and your children. And what happened to you as a generational curse is trying to come to them. And don't you victimize it and start feeling sorry. You come out of there like a warrior and stop the enemy from passing this down your legacy. We have to. Nobody likes all the cards they've been dealt. I've so far not found anyone that has had a clean ride. The enemy is wicked and he tries to destroy us. My heart has compassion and God has great compassion for what we've been through. But he loves us enough not to leave us there. Our church needs to be healed. We don't need to be all getting together, filling our victim status together. It's not going to work. It draws it to us. It's like a whistle. And the enemy knows he has legal right to go in there and do whatever he wants because we're celebrating our victim status. And we're not celebrating our victor. Mm -hmm. That the rewards go to the overcomers. The rewards don't go to the survivors. I'll tell you another one. This one's kind of shocking. Most of the spiritual warfare I see is on the gentle souls. The real sweet ones, not the honorary ones. (laughs) There's something with an honorary person. No. You know, it's the kid in the family that had that strong personality, and they're not going to be touched, but that real quiet one, you've got to watch them and protect them. And so I'm going to tell you, God's gentleness can make us great. You're not going to be passive, but your spirit better be a warrior. Your personality can be sweet and, you know, take what people give, but not in the realm of the Spirit. You've got to have something in you that recognizes a demonic spirit trying to destroy you. So I caution about sweet personalities that they've got to make sure they're using authority. Because they're priding themselves on being sweet, they're opening some doors. So you're showing your weakness. The I try syndrome is letting the enemy know that you're pretty easily defeatable and you're speaking out of your victim. And so you must have an I tried followed by, listen to this, when you have an I tried, then follow it by a strategy of I've got a strategy now to do it again and I'm going to keep playing this game till I win. Yeah. It's like poker. <laughs> <laughs> You don't fold up till you're winning. And so you keep playing it. I'm sorry, my great-grandmother owned a bar before she got saved. So (laughs) There's a strategy to this that people will use in the natural, but they will not use it in the kingdom of heaven. The minute you say, I tried, then you come back with a strategy of how you're going to win. You're quitting too early. You must endure to the end. The word salvation there is more than eternal life. It's talking healing, deliverance. I mean, sozo, soteria, will be saved. It's the whole package. So you've got to endure to the end. So this is what gets you into the reprisal attacks to take you out, is quitting too early. If the enemy knows you're going to quit, if the enemy knows you have a quit in you, 
then the enemy knows he's going to use that I try for God. I try, I try, and he's going to use it, and it makes it easy for him to take you out. He takes you out early when you have that mentality, you're going to quit. He'll give you a reason to quit. I asked my dad in the ministry, how often did he think about quitting? He said, once a month. (laughs) So, no, you're going to have the feelings of wanting to quit. That is not God speaking to you. (laughs) And so you have to get that off. So you're seeing everything from a victim mentality to I try to quit. And you're seeing that as the ability for the enemy to come in and whop you with a reprisal attack for any little thing. And you're over with. You're what I call that man who died on the first day of the war. And I've studied people and they got shot the first day of the war. There's nothing glorious about being shot the last day of the war, but it's terrible to die the first day of the war. (laughs) And these are the people that are, they're trying. You're going in it expecting to fail. And so the enemy assesses you of how easily you'll be able to be taken out. And you're falling over like the big bad wolf blows on the straw house. You've got to get back on things They'll cost you areas that'll make you lose. The enemy's trying to make you pay a price for what you do. And you're moving into that realm of having a Messiah complex. I'm not the Messiah. He's already done that. I'm, I just do what he tells me. I'll tell you the next one. Oh, this one hurts. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Maybe we should have repentance first. I'm tired. You know, every prophecy I get is people come up to me and prophesy to me, I need to take a little rest. Because if you get busy and about the time that I've got to win because I'm on a front line attack, that I'm tired is hitting me. It's Peter coming up to you and offering you a better way, a shortcut. So that I'm tired, I want you to quote the scripture of don't grow weary in doing good. What's the end times? Just harder birth pains. More intense and harder. Of course you're tired. You're in birth pains. It's miserable. That's when you tell the man, don't ever come near me again. <laughs> you're tired of doing good. The Lord once spoke to me, make trouble for what troubles you. So sometimes I play offense and I go into the devil's camp and I trouble him. And that's where you get that reputation of being a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give him trouble. I had a friend and her husband had been just caught doing pornography and it made a mess. He was the youth pastor and a guy drove past my friend and he just happened to hold up his iPad with pornography on it to her two-year-old. She's redheaded and she wasn't in a good mood. She chased that guy down to Walmart and she chased him in there and got him in a corner with his iPad and she helped him find his salvation, his grandmother who was praying for him, his repentance. And she was not going to let him link to a victim spirit. I mean, she made trouble for what was troubling her. And he was sorry that he picked her, but that spirit was trying to link with what happened to her husband. And she didn't let it go down her family. Sometimes you've got to back them up against the corner and get them to get rid of that nonsense. Because the devil overplays his hand. Or you can go home and lick your wounds and say, look what my husband's done, and now people are doing this to me in the streets. Reprisals. You've got to make trouble for the enemy. You wake up and you think about your trouble, and you go make trouble for him. And so that's how you play offense. Because evil never grows weary of doing evil. Evil never gets tired. The enemy doesn't grow weary, but it says that that Christians are going to get tired of praying. Believers are going to get tired of praying. And he said, don't give up. He said, bother the snot out of the judge. Remember? Luke 18, 1. Bother the judge till you bother the snot out of him. And he gives you justice. Amen. May God add his blessing to the scripture. I mean, that's what it tells you in your prayer life. Are you bothering the snot out of who needs to give you justice? Then you're not biblically praying if you're not doing it like that. 
Because the enemy never grows weary, in fact, think of this, the enemy ramps it up when his time grows short. You're not going to win against an enemy that ramps it up when you're ramping it down because you're tired. Tiredness is a feeling. It'll go away. So, in other words, quit being appalled at evil. Quit being shocked with it. You're not going to win a war if you're shocked. I've had to get over how horrendous evil is. It's nauseating. The evil out in the world is crazy. Americans are not ready for the mentality. And so you're going to have to think you're dealing with an enemy that is completely crazy. He's off the charts. He wants to hurt you bad. He wants to do it unfair. He wants to kill the babies. There's nothing that makes sense about him except that he's evil. And then get you a game plan. That's what you have to do against reprisal attacks is get a game plan. The devil is combing the earth looking for who he can devour. And so if you already have an identity of I'm a victim, you've owned it. I'm tired. I want to quit. None of these are going to work. Reprisals will give you more of this. You'll be more of a victim. People's testimonies are not how God said to do testimonies. He said do testimonies to overcome. Everybody gets up and tells how much bad stuff's happened to them. They don't tell how they win over reprisals. It's just you will overcome by the power of your testimony. Nobody has an overcoming testimony. Everybody talks about their pain and everybody cries for you. It's not a testimony. It's suffering. It's no different than in the Philippines where they nail someone to the cross and they drag them through the streets and they rub their infirmities against it hoping for a healing. We're into that kind of thinking. Like if I get on my knees and crawl the furthest... Don't let that stuff leak in. The enemy will try to get you to think of reprisals like that. The more I suffer, the better it is. The reason you stay healed is not so you eat bonbons and watch I Love Lucy returns. (laughs) It's so you get up and go into the prison. When I was 17, they said, you're going to get stabbed and ruin our prison program. I couldn't be more excited. I wanted to be where somebody had murdered their parents. I wondered if the gospel would work there. You're healed so you can go do something. You've got to have a purpose. Our healing's not for our own selfish. So you've got to use your strength to go in. Anyway, you have to rise up with a roar. So when the weariness, the tired, the trying, rise your spirit up with a roar. You get hit and you want to give up. Of course you do. You did this good thing, and the enemy tried to hit you. I remember my dad told me. I couldn't believe it. It's before my dad was saved. He made a bargain with the devil. He told the devil, if you won't bother me, I won't bother you. And suddenly, I think Christians are making that. He had to repent and repent for that. So when the devil rattled his cage, he went out there, and he made it miserable. He retaliated. So... You quit feeling sorry for yourself. you got to armor up when you're on vacation. You go on vacation, the enemy doesn't go on vacation with you. You're on the enemy's calendar. It's a good time for him to hit you. You know, I expect to be hit over here in Joe Blow, Muslim country, where I'm doing crazy stuff. I mean, all of the glow's praying for me there. But when I'm on vacation, (laughs) you know, they say usually you get run over about a block from your home. I mean, it's not funny, but their vacations is dangerous. Steve Irwin will tell you. So you've got to spiritually armor up on your vacation. You can't take a vacation from using your authority. Oh, I I took a vacation, a spiritual vacation. I quit praying. The whole time I was on vacation. Mm, It doesn't work. No. So you've got to keep playing offense. One year the Lord told me, this year I want you to do this. He said, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the boldest move I can make? And ramp my boldness up. If this is crazy, go a little crazier. That was a fun year. So your job and my job is to get people out of the line of fire of reprisal attacks. And the first thing you do is you deliver them with what we've talked about. You help people and you haul off and you use your authority. I'm not asking you to pray for them. Praying for them, it doesn't work. You sound like you're just repeating their problem to God. You've got to speak the word of God. You've got to use your authority. 
My dad told me there's a big difference between commanding and using your authority and praying. And so people don't use their authority. You can take a reprisal attack off of someone. So if you say, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm just shy. This person calls you, I'm going to commit suicide. Well, how serious are you about it? Let's let's talk. Oh, I know a good counselor. I'm shy, insecure. You know what the Lord told me my insecurity was? Pride. Yeah, insecurity is self-focused. It's pride. And that got me out of shyness. I'm by nature a quiet person. But for the glory of God, I talk. And I'm like, I can't be loud. That'll embarrass me. I can't see myself do that. Then go pick up your headstone. Because if you're not going to fight, the enemy is a lion. And he goes after the weak. And he goes after the slow. And you've got to have a game plan for the counterattacks. You know, anything the enemy does, he tries to counterattack. If someone gets saved, we had a friend, he got saved at 12. At 13, three people die in their life. A young man gets filled with the Spirit at age 11, and immediately he's over at his grandparents, and pornography goes on the screen by accident and started an addiction. Someone takes a stand and gives a testimony, and the enemy challenges that testimony, takes his neon sign and tries to take the testimony away. Anytime I see someone get saved, gloriously something happens with the Holy Spirit, that's the job of the intercessor. You start covering them. I'm like, Lord, I thank you more to the glory of God. Satan, don't touch them. You can't have anything to do with them. And you start commanding. Use the word, you know, binding and loosing. If you look at it, one of the rabbinical ways that they call it is forbid and permit. And I love those words. Say, I forbid it in Jesus' name. Or I allow that. And you're forbidding and permitting is strong language. So in the scriptural area, if I was going to use different scriptural examples of reprisal, I'd probably use Esther. Because it attempts to take you out of your place of influence and power and authority. And Elijah, it was an attempt to hit him after his best day. And what happens? His head starts spinning. God gives him food and he runs further away from God. I want out of ministry. Have you ever turned your back on a horde of demons? You can't. They will chase you down. You can never. Like if you do an Elijah moment, they will never quit chasing you if you turn your back on them. Why? I saw my dad do some of those moments. It's like the host of hell comes after you. There's some people politically that have stood up for God. And it's like never will the assault pull off of them. It's a reprisal. And you start feeling alone in ministry. Elijah goes into the cave of depression. I'm the only one here. That's why when you fight a witchcraft spirit and a Jezebel, you need two of you. Amen. Yeah, because it comes after you. John the Baptist, you get paid back if you speak against corruption or evil in any form. In fact, they behead you for it. And it'll make you doubt your entire ministry and purpose and your head spins. So after we have lunch, we'll come back and we'll speak on the witchcraft and the Jezebels. And No, I'm joking. <laughs> because we can't go into that right now. But this is a whole series. <laughs> it's the Esther reprisal attack. And this is what the Lord gave me at four this morning for y'all. In Esther 3.1, Haman makes his appearance and he's given power. And then he comes up with the idea that everyone needs to bow. And one man didn't bow. And you don't have to have discernment of who a Jezebel is. It's real easy. All you do is tell them no, and you can tell who a Jezebel is. (laughs) And so Haman was like this. He was like, one man doesn't bow to me out of this whole country. And that obsesses me that this one man needs to bow. And this is what the Lord was speaking to me. What you're dealing with is a spirit of jealousy. And the spirit of jealousy is the reprisal attack. And it comes over someone to make your life miserable. And you will sometimes get a person after you for no reason. It's like they have no other reason to live upon this earth, to make life wonderful, to do anything. All they want to do is make you miserable. And you're dealing with that spirit of jealousy and they're a controlling person. Or worse yet, they're weak and insecure. 
We had a church split with a controlling man. I thought it was bad until we had another church split 10 years later with an insecure, weak man. Weak men are worse. Haman was a weak man. It's the extreme opposite because they're passive aggressive. And you never know where they're going to hit you from. And so what happens with the spirit of jealousy, number one, what it goes after is the favor of God on your life. If God puts you in a position, there will be a Haman, a spirit of jealousy that will rise up and try to take you out of your place of influence, out of your place of authority. Number two, the spirit of jealousy will rise up on you after you have a promotion. The spirit of jealousy will rise up to you when you have access to a person of power. So I want you to be prepared for reprisal when God's favors on you, like Joseph, when you get a promotion in the kingdom, and when you get the ear of someone that has power and can make decisions. That's when reprisal attacks will try to take you out of your positions. So you have to armor up to fight back. And I think it's funny that how Esther did it was God did not fight this battle for him. All he said was, remember the king's edict? Esther 8.11, it's the perfect picture of spiritual warfare. God tells you, I'm going to let you fight back. And that's what spiritual warfare is after the cross. People think it means God's going to do it for you. All he did was hand his weapons and say, now I'm going to let you fight back. And that's the perfect picture, is that you now have arms, and if someone's trying to kill you, you have every right in the kingdom of heaven to use your authority and put that back into place. And so you're armed for these offensive stories. And so as you go through this, the devil has a plan of vengeance. The enemy, most believers are stunned by the savagery of the backlash of the experience. You know, I was thinking about our first trip to Israel, and my first trip to Israel was with her daughter, Reagan, and John. Oh, we had fun. (laughs) What we did, we can still laugh about. There were stories that we've sworn we could never tell, but they are so good. (laughs) Reagan told me, don't ever tell some stories, and they had to slip out a little bit last night. But... I mean, God has a laugh a day of what he comes up with. So we had such a fabulous trip. We could see God working on it. But guess what? Within the last few hours of the trip, we found out that the devil would like to run our whole trip. And what had happened is it had been very successful. I had gotten a chance to interview a spy. There's nothing more fun than interviewing a spy. And so I was with them interviewing a spy. And you know what I liked about this spy? Was she drugged her own people to get them across the border. And I'm like, who does that? And so they thought they were all asleep, but she had given them something. She got the pharmacist. And they didn't know it, and they were all out. And she said, oh, they're sleeping, because she knew they would give it away. And I'm like, I know women like that. You've got to remember, well-behaved women rarely make history. (laughs) So I'm not interviewing the good ones. That's why I kind of vote for in the kingdom of heaven that you're kind of a character God can use you. And children will listen to you. So these kind of stories I would tell her daughter when I'd put her to bed tonight, and they would name me Aunt Medea. I don't know why. So I was this spy, and I was hearing about the drugging, and oh, I had so many questions. They'd written books and things about this lady's life, and she had a powerful testimony. I'll never forget her looking me in the eye. She said, did you know you can go over two weeks without drinking any water? And I said, oh, so you drank your toilet water. And she goes, oh. I'm telling you, by the power of God, you can set your will, and you don't have to drink water. And they had beaten her. I mean, she had gone through all types of torture and for her faith. And she told me she would sing the Psalms. And that lady liked me so much, we so deeply connected that she took me to her room and gave me chocolate. 
And so we had this unique experience together. She was talking to me heart to heart. Everything was fine. We're packing up. I'm so pleased because this is the perfect story for the book. And I had my own interview. And I get a phone call and they said, the grandson is coming to the house to kick the door in because you interviewed the grandmother and they're not going to let you out of the country. At this point, on a reprisal, you got to design your pushback. What are you going to do? Well, there's three of us. I'll tell John, go meet him at the parking lot. I tell Reagan, load the interviews onto the computer and start downloading them. I said, let me go outside. I speak the slowest English. (laughs) The three, we worked like a team together. It was better than any movie. Reagan is in there working like she's a technological genius. Don't think her brother has all the skills. I go out and I said, hello, I'm from Texas. And he was like yelling at me, telling me you violated the trust of my grandmother in the interview. And I was like, oh, my gosh, your grandma is too late. We're already deep friends. I mean, you can't take that away. She recognized one Henri sold to another. <laughs> and so I'm trying to be funny. He's not laughing. And so anyway, John had been working on him. He burst into our apartment. And when he got there, he started screaming. And, and he wanted me to sign waivers that I would never publish. And what I signed was, I will not publish until this family gives me their blessing to publish the story. And he couldn't read it, so I signed that. (laughs) And so anyway, he said, now I want to delete. So I said, Reagan, let him delete. And so he started deleting. He deleted every interview. Of course, it all been downloaded on the cloud. They were right back in Texas waiting on me. And I thought at that moment, when he left the apartment, we collapsed shaking. And I go... Oh, this is the story of every trip of my life. I mean, the devil will try to wreck your trip. And so you have to design your pushback. You've got to download the good stuff onto the cloud. (laughs) You've got to keep your joy. You've got to keep the blessing. Because immediately, the devil will try to do these reprisals. And if you start fearing the reprisals, let me tell you, fear is a magnet. And there's verses in the Bible that tell you that fear works like a magnet. So if you fear the devil's reprisals, you've got to instead have a sense of humor and laugh and think, I wonder how God's going to get me out of it. This adds one more layer to it. Spies have out-of-control grandchildren. He needs the Lord. I gave him my book. So this is what you've got to do. You've got to know who you're fighting. And you've got to use that experience of not letting the fear of reprisals get to you. You've got to be aware to prevent them. If you know ahead of time who you're fighting and you're aware of it, you can forbid and permit. You can make it simple. You can get a covering. You can get the intercessors to pray. A glow has like 33,000 that pray for me at any given time. And so I just appreciate the fact that anytime I have something crazy happening to me, that it's just amazing to see the outpouring of heavy prayer on my life. And I'm deeply appreciative to y'all that y'all really pray. And so anyway, at this point, I'm going to end with these, these thoughts, is how can we overcome reprisal attacks? My mother and I were taking a walk yesterday, and Steph picked us up to drive here. And this was yesterday morning. And my mother does something that I've never seen anyone else do. And she can pull an attack off of somebody. And I don't see anyone else have the ability to do what she does to get a spirit off of somebody. She can do it on the phone. I've seen her do it. But it was funny on this. She was telling me, oh, my friends in Brownwood, they're very close to me. And I feel so guilty my dear friends, and uh, guess what they are? Evangelists. And the devil was literally trying to take them out. It was his business and her health. And a spirit came against them, and she said, it's a serious one. Some things are happening you wouldn't believe. And mom says, I just don't know what to do. And she's, you know, of course, teaching for me last night and all these things that she has to do. And she said, I just don't feel like I'm a good friend. I said, 
You don't have time for the guilt. Besides that, the lady has a good house cleaner. She doesn't need your house cleaning and she cooks better than you, mother. What she needs is for you to get on that phone and use your authority and turn the situation. Why is nobody doing this? You're going to have to get on the phone and use the name of Jesus and forbid this from coming to pass in their life. And you can feel it when it goes under your feet. You can feel it when it changes. People come to our house that are going to commit suicide. Sometimes people send them to us in the middle of the night. And my mom will get up and they'll be crazy in their mind. And when she's through with them, the spirit has left and they're back to their right mind. She can turn the situation. Most people counsel. Most people encourage. They do not use their authority. And you have to come out. That's where I'm saying, don't tell me you're shy. Don't tell me that's loud and embarrassing. That's why I told you, get your headstone. Go pick the funeral music because the enemy will pick you off. I'm telling you, you come out of that thing fighting until you feel the devil leave. I had a lady friend of mine, and she was on the front lines of the abortion fight. A witch called her and cursed her family. First she got COVID, and they thought she was going to die. She said she took my rebuke. I felt like the Lord told me, leave her a voicemail. And it took me just a few minutes. I commanded that spirit, let her go. That's a spirit. That's a demonic spirit. Basically, it messes with anything in your body that's not settled. That's a perpetual problem. And so you've got to deal with it as a spirit and command that spirit to get off. So when she called me about this witchcraft thing, I used my authority and I commanded it to lift off of her. And she said, you know, I take that voicemail of yours and I play it all the time and I listen to it. When you're on the front lines and you've got witchcraft against you, you've got any witchcraft, you must use your authority. Elijah, you must turn around and face it. You must address it. You must answer it. And she literally could feel the power of God come on her. My other friend in ministry just called me. This has been happening day after day after day. People don't need much from you. That's what I told mom. Your friend doesn't need your cooking, believe me. (laughs) Your friend needs what you have that nobody can give, and that's your authority. So my friend that's worked for one of the biggest ministries, 30 years, vivacious personality, she goes, something happened to me. And she said, depression hit me. My dad's died. All this stuff happened. And she said, I just heard God tell me, call Angie. And all of a sudden, I took authority over it. She said, it lifted. It lifted. I've never felt anything like that leave. My guys called me from the mission field. One guy was stopped on the border between Mexico and Texas. A witch had cursed him and all this stuff. I took authority. I'm telling you, this is the power of reprisal. You give it one hard rebuke. You make a bold stand, a bold statement, and you will overcome this. And when you have done something significant, you don't have to pay a pound of flesh. This is my decoration. This arrow coming towards me, what does the Bible tell me about arrows? When they're fired at me, it says most of those arrows, remember it says in Ephesians 6, that those on fire arrows, that I'll be able to extinguish most of them, right? Yeah, most. It's an all. You've got to get an all theology because we're living in barely some. Move up to most. But it says you can extinguish all. And they're on fire. And they're meant to hit the target. And out of my spirit screams because I feel them coming straight from my head, from my heart. And I'm screaming, you will miss and you will hit the cross where it's paid for. I don't have to pay for this with taking in an arrow. And I am literally standing against an arrow coming straight for me. If you've ever had a gun situation and you've had to use your authority when someone has a gun, 
where you say no weapon formed against me. There's one formed, but it won't prosper. And literally, your declaration has to be, this misses me and will hit the cross. Literally, you're drawing a line. I can't cause harm and I can't be harmed. I have no harm in me drawing this to me. This is your answer to your reprisal attacks. And you must know it because you will face the end of a gun barrel. You will look down an arrow and the shaft. And you have to know that that arrow cannot penetrate your body. Even if it's in a straight line for your heart, it has to turn and miss and hit the cross. Otherwise, go home and take a little more homework in the Word before you get in ministry. Because I don't want you taken out on the first day of the war. I want you to stomp your faith and say, you miss me and you hit where Jesus Christ paid for our victory. I'm armed and I'm ready to go. And I appreciate all y'all's prayers. Amen.